One of my favorite deeper dives of 2023 was the one we did with Nurse Nikki on the new mastitis protocol. We got so many great questions and comments during the deeper dive from all those who attended live. Shout out to Naomi, who told us at the end that she was going to fix all her care plans right away. Same, Naomi. Use the link in the show notes to subscribe and have monthly live access to all of our deeper dives, as well as all of our recordings going all the way back to January of 2020. You don't want to miss out on this. And we can't wait to see you at the next deeper dive. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Hey, Leah. Hey, Annie. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. Definitely doing well. And before we get into the content of this episode, which is all about our referral sources and working together with them, Leah, what is your motivation for today? So I am wanting to motivate you to be authentically you. (laughs) When we go and meet with referral sources or we're putting ourselves out there, I know sometimes it's intimidating, so we might, you know, just kind of tense up and not really be ourselves and kind of be very stiff and and maybe just give the answers that you think the other person might want to hear. And there really is a lot of drawbacks to that because one, I think people read that, you know, they can tell when you're not being authentically yourself. And two, you're trying to build a relationship with your referral sources And at some point, you're going to not be able to keep that facade up. And they're going to be like, wait a second, you know, when we first met, I got this vibe from you. And now I'm kind of getting this vibe from you. So it might be helpful, you know, before you go meet with somebody or reach out to somebody to just, you know, kind of loosen up, relax a little bit and just be you because you're awesome. And they're going to know you're awesome. And the only person who can do you is you. So just take a minute and really put yourself out there as your authentic self. And it really reaps rewards. I totally agree with that. I mean, I just think that's really great to think about who you are, what vibe you want to put out and not try to be somebody that you think will impress the other person, but just you really want to make sure they know who you are. So I love that. Thanks, Leah. So let's dive into getting to know our referral sources and how do we maintain and keep relations with referral sources. So where are some of the places that you get referrals from and maybe places that you are referring to? Well, here in New York City, my main referral source is my colleagues, the other lactation consultants. So we don't, we have a lot of just, we're all on our own. And if I can't see a client, I need to find somebody who can. And so really maintaining those relationships and being a positive and productive member of our community ends up being, you know, beneficial for me from a business standpoint too, because the more invested I am in my colleagues, the more likely they are to refer to me. And, you know, also just when we go to these, you know, trainings together and continuing education, I look around and I see, okay, 
they're all here. I'm here. So now I know a little bit more about what you know. And, um, and that's really great. So that's an, a main one for me. What about you, Leah? So here in my area, I get a, quite a few referrals from birth workers, uh, relationships that I've built over many, many years. Uh, those tend to be some of my biggest referral sources. Yeah, same. I, when I was first starting out, I went to a couple of in-person meetups with childbirth educators and doulas just to get to know them personally and to put a face to the name. And that definitely yielded referrals for me, um, especially at the time when I was growing my practice. So I, and I also, it's nice to know what other supports are out there because, you know, we get questions like, do you know a doula or do you know you know, where can I get childbirth classes when people reach out prenatally? So it's also, I can send people back to them. Definitely. And I think second to that would probably be physicians, whether that's pediatricians, OBs, or tongue-tie providers. That's probably the second highest, you know, referral source that we have. Do you get very many like MD referrals there in New York? We get a few pediatricians who will refer to lactation consultants and they'll have their list of who they send people to. They know that you serve the area. And yeah, the tongue tie providers are always the good ones anyway, (laughs) are sending families back to the community. I mean, I think we all wish they would, we could get to them first, you know, do a little prep visit before they have the procedure done, but at the very least, um, a lot of, at least here in New York city families are just, they just won't wait. They're so impatient. I know, um, And so they just jump right to it. And so, you know, but they're, they're getting our names from these good providers afterwards. So yeah, though they're, they could be really good sources. I don't get a lot of, I, I want to say maybe have never gotten a referral from an OB. I have gotten I- from a home birth midwife, but not from an OB. And we don't have freestanding, we have one freestanding birth center in New York City and I don't, I don't travel down there. Gotcha. Yeah, we don't get a whole lot of OB referrals, which I think is really interesting because they're seeing the family usually at, um, well, here now there's been a big push to do like a little bit earlier postpartum check-in, like around two weeks. Oh, that's so nice. I know, which is awesome because I'm like, oh, the waiting six weeks just always felt not right to me. But yeah, I don't have a lot of the OBs then turning around. There's a few though, definitely a few that I can think of off the top of my head, but not as much as the pediatricians, definitely not as as much as the pediatricians. Do you ever get referrals, say from like body workers or any other like allied healthcare professionals? I have, but I actually find that flows more me to them definitely um, that they're that they're going for body work because a lactation consultant recommended them they're not often going because the pediatrician recommended it and then the then the body worker's like oh yeah you should get lactation help and if it's a you know physical therapy they're not referring back to us at all no. and the SLPs are not referring back to us at all we don't have a a good referral network with them yeah, same, same. We don't get a lot of, um, again, the body works. I have I've had a few because I think chiropractic care is pretty popular down here. So I've had families that are already going to the chiropractor before they even see me, and that might be where they heard about me. Not commonplace, though. Definitely not commonplace. And again, yeah, the PTs, OTs, SLPs, not getting very many referrals. Maybe, gosh, I can only think of like a handful over 
my whole eight years that I've had that direction referral, you know, definitely me out to them sometimes, but not a lot of the back the other direction. I mean, and I I think that's just the nature of how our profession is perceived, which is that lactation is something that belongs in the hospital. And that, so by the time they're in, you know, at home and their baby's a couple weeks old and things are going on, they're not often connecting that to feeding or feeding problems that happen, or, you know, if the family doesn't want to breastfeed, then that's not going to, we're not going to get brought in to that situation. I mean, I do find, um, I get a lot of traffic from hospitals though, Mm -hmm. and not all of them are baby friendly. I mean, definitely the baby friendly ones are giving out those names. Um, but even some of the ones that are not are, and it's funny because I had like, when I became a La Leche League leader, I was using just my personal email address. So there's a bunch of hospitals here that have my personal email address. And so I get emails to like my Gmail and I'm like, I don't even know who to ask to change this. And, but I'm like, and I also like, don't want to mess up this referral source either, but I'm like, I don't know what to do. But, um, so then I just like switch to my professional email and write them back there. Gotcha. What's it like with you and the hospitals in Houston? Yeah. A lot of them actually just give the like ILCA or USLCA you know, website link, go here and you can find one, which is kind of problematic because that link doesn't always weed out like who's actually private practice and who's not. And then like the exact area that they serve. So that can be problematic. Our Houston area lactation consultants and educator association, it's a, it's a mouthful. They have a referral list as well. So some of the hospitals actually send that out instead. But yeah, we definitely are on some of the hospital referral lists. Uh, But I think some of them are trying to go away from like specific people referring to and try to give this more generic so that's um, something that's happening here. And our local chapter of USLCA, NILCA, we decided that this was something that NILCA should do for the members. And so we created a referral network through NILCA where we have a Google Voice number. And if somebody needs a lactation consultant, they text that number. We have a non-LC um, admin who answers it. So the person who answers it is not potential conflict of interest of wanting the consult. Cause we talked about maybe we'll all volunteer and take turns, but I'm like, no, what if it comes in and it's like my neighbor needs a consult, but I can't take right. it because I, I have to give three names that are not me. So we decided to hire somebody to do that. And so the text comes in, they have a templated response that goes back to the family. Then our admin posts to our WhatsApp group and says, this came in from the referral line. Here's the neighborhood. And then the first three people who respond with availability within the next two to three days, preferably one to two days or same day, get sent to the family. And here are three names. And then the family has to then reach out individually to them. And we have it all boilerplated out. So the admin just has to copy and paste the response so that it's very clear that we're not we're not involved with them, you know, that we're, this gotcha. is just providing the name and number. And that has exploded for us. I mean, I, our, our WhatsApp group is so busy with requests. And, and so now we're like, well, let's just give, give this to the, the pediatricians. That's easy. Instead of being yeah, like, okay, it's like, like who goes where? Source. Yeah. It's so easy. And then it also really 
um, helps build awareness of NILCA and awareness of lactation consultants. So that's that's been amazing. I'm really have been really happy with that as a member benefit for being a part of the NILCA chapter. I'm going to take just a minute to tell you about Kathy's upcoming course. It is called Understanding Infant Reflux and Related Conditions in Lactation Practice. Early bird pricing is open now through May 16th, and which is the day, May 16th, when all of the course content is going to open. We've got six hours of recorded videos plus an additional two SERPs. So that's eight L SERPs total for self-study work that Kathy is going to be grading and reviewing and giving you feedback on. So Kathy, you put your heart and soul into this course. I know all of the research that you did. What is one of the things that you're most excited about teaching learners in this course? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't pay any attention to occult blood in the stool. I've actually had a couple of moms on elimination diet because of a positive occult blood test in perfectly happy, healthy babies. And this makes really no sense at all. But that's one of the little take-home messages. There are many. It's filled with nuggets and gems like that. Every second of this training is going to give you things that you're going to be able to use in your private practice. So definitely sign up for that. You'll have once you're in, you're going to have all the way until May of next year to get through this content because it's stuff that you're going to want to watch and rewatch again. So we're so excited that Kathy put this course together for us. Yeah. And I'd encourage other chapters to be doing. It is another way to promote our profession as well. You know, just really giving it a good boost in visibility. So what are some of the ways that you've worked to cultivate the relationships that then allow for these referrals in both directions? You know, you to them and them to you. Are there, is there some specific steps that you take, Annie, for that? Well, I think it's always really important to make a meaningful connection. And so when it's somebody, you know, new, first of all, um, you know, it's not enough to just say, oh, I heard my friend likes this person, you know, this Elsie that I love likes this person. I need to feel like I can trust them. And so like have a conversation with them, have an email, ask them hard questions and, um, and be prepared to answer hard questions myself so that there's a mutual understanding of what, what we're in this for. Definitely. And I think if it's somebody who works hands-on with the parent or the baby, I think it's really beneficial to see if you can go and go with one of your clients uh, or if they allow you to come and just watch them work. So if that's like a body worker, SLP, sometimes they'll let you come in shadow and just kind of see how they work, make sure it jives with somebody that you would want to refer to. It gives you a chance to look around their office space if that, you know, looks good. I mean, you really want to consider all that because when you make a referral, it's it's almost like an extension of 
you and your practice. I mean, not not a hundred percent, but you know what I mean. It's like you wouldn't want to then, you know, send to a place that that you're not a hundred percent sure of. So I think it's great if you can either go with one of your clients or ask the person to if you can shadow, and then be willing to accept that the other direction. You know, you might have somebody who wants to refer to you, but they want to kind of see the work that you do. I think also word of mouth is so huge uh, for people wanting to refer to us. So in that direction. So it's, you know, I used to always encourage and I still do my parents to like, hey, if, you know, they'll be like, oh, this was so helpful. I love this so much. I'm so glad that I came and saw you. I'll be like, you know, what helps me so much is if you could talk to your pediatrician about the care we had today and how helpful it was to you. And just let them know so that they might be able to refer another family my way that needed help as well. Oh, I love that. I mean, and that's, you know, it's a little scary to ask because it feels a little salesy, but, you know, you need to, you know, have confidence that if they're telling you, you did a good job, they're not going to have any problem telling anybody else. Yeah. And most of the time they're so eager. They're like, oh my gosh, yes. Give me, do you have business cards? I'm going to take business cards to my pediatrician's office because everybody has to know about this, you know? And So I've never had anybody look at me weird or give me pushback, but it's a great way to start to build that referral network because those pediatricians are listening to how happy their clients are and the OBs as well. And other professionals are listening to how happy their clients are. And that's a real assurance to them that they're going to be sending out to somebody who is going to be doing a good job. And when you're cultivating these referral sources, you do want to make sure you're being ethical about it. And the best way to do that would be to read Elizabeth Brooks's book, Legal and Ethical Issues for the IBCLC. And this is essential reading. She has a chapter on that is all about how to, you know, keep yourself from having a conflict of interest um, or having, you know, she talks in the book about if somebody gives you something. This is for something like breast pumps is a really big one. If you get a free breast pump, whether even if you got a free breast pump from 10 different companies, the fact that it was free gives you a warm feeling toward the company who gave it to you and can make you less ethical when it comes to deciding, is this breast pump actually right for the family that I'm recommending it to? And the same thing goes for your referral sources. So you want to keep yourself really ethical about it. We, you may have heard of something called a kickback, which is not only unethical, it's also illegal. And that would be if someone approaches you and says, Hey, I love that you're a lactation consultant. If I send people to you, you give me a percentage of what they pay you. And if you do that, I will send people to you. That is a kickback. No, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. And you don't want to offer that to somebody else and you don't want to take it from somebody else. This is very different than having some kind of contractual relationship, say with a home birth midwife where she's providing lactation services to her clients and she's paying you to be her client's lactation consultant. Like that's out of their fee that she's getting paid from the family. That's totally different. This would be like secret on, you know, like behind the person's back. And it is not right to only send clients to people that are being nice to you or giving you things. So the easiest way to prevent yourself from that kind of conflict of interest is just don't take free things from your referral sources. I like to try out all the different chiropractors and body workers. I go and I I get a treatment from them and I pay for it so that I can know what, what it feels like to be their patient. 
but I pay yeah. for it. I definitely think that's a huge consideration and can you can kind of easily slip into like, oh, well, they just, you know, offered this or offered that. And yeah, it's a slippery slope into like, okay, are we not being ethical now? I think it's also important to make sure that you're, you know, not just giving one place like, oh, this is the only place that I know. I mean, you want to really cultivate several referral sources in each category uh, so that you really have a nice list of not just one person because that can kind of get a little like, you know, dicey unless there's like literally only one person in the whole area who does that and one thing. And if there thing. literally is just one person in the area who does this thing, it is even more important to do something you need to be doing with all your referral sources, which is monitoring those outcomes. And so really getting feedback from your clients about, well, how did it go? How was your experience when you went to this person? I ask all of my clients when I see them for their post phrenotomy visit to tell me how the, how the visit went. Yes. I want to hear all about it. And it doesn't matter how, if that, that person is on my referral list, if my client had a negative experience with them, that's important to me and I need to hear that. And it might mean needing to have a hard conversation with my referral source and saying, Hey, I know, I know we've got this thing going, but didn't work out so well for this person. Let's talk about it. Definitely. I think that is so important and something that I do as well on really all my referrals, like if it's a body worker or, um, you know, a phrenotomy provider or something like that, I definitely ask for feedback from the family. And it's actually been really helpful in weeding out some that I thought were like, oh, this is a great referral source in my mind, but then come to find out like the, the patients were not feeling as great about it. And so, yeah, it definitely helped me weed out um, some places that I wanted to remove from my referral list. And I think it's important that you check in with the people that are referring to you frequently as well. I think it's helpful to just, you know, get in front of them if possible at least once or twice a year, even if you guys are having like pretty frequent referrals. I think it's helpful to just maintain that communication line of communication. And it also allows you to let them know about things that might be changing for you. So if you've got something new that you're offering or, you know, now you're accepting insurance or you've got a new location, that kind of thing. But it's also finding out if anything's changed for them, you know, and making sure that you are right. aware of changes that have, might be happening. Oh, so not we just have- getting feedback on how their clients feel about you, but also making sure that you're marketing yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really important. Well, I know referral sources are a big part of where we get our our clients and into our practice. And so I think this is a, a really important topic and something that you want to keep kind of on your higher up on your list to be nurturing and taking care of over the year. You might, you might think about quarterly even just having a moment like, okay, who do I need to check in with? Who am I going to be reaching out to? Who, who is lacking on my referral source? You know, like, oh, I have no SLPs if I needed one, you know? So like you need to be cultivating that and making time for that. So definitely. Well, this has been a great talk and something that I think is so useful for us as IBCLCs and allied healthcare professionals. And as we wrap up today, what is your tech tip for us, Miss Annie? 
So you might be thinking, okay, how I'm going to communicate to the, when do I have time to reach out to my referral sources? Because like a lot of them maybe are only in their, only in the office during business hours, but maybe I'm sending my emails on Saturday night at 1130. You can, in your email provider, schedule your emails. So if you write it on Saturday night at 1130, schedule for it to be received on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. So not, not Monday, because everybody's on no. Monday. Everybody's like, ah, <laughs> ah. but why well, I got a million emails. But on Tuesday, they're like, oh, I can't feel pretty good about how I got through my Monday stack. Oh, look, it's Leah. She wants to connect. Cool. So scheduling those emails means that you can write them when you're when it's convenient for you, but you're not going to worry that it's going to get buried if you send it at a at a very strange time or make you look like them thinking you're a vampire because you're sending emails at two o'clock in the morning. So (laughs) schedule your emails to make yourself look like you can get it all done. (laughs) So we're all the facade we're all trying to perform, right? Well, that was a really great tech tip. And I always forget about those scheduling. I I know that it's possible and you forget about it. So what a great reminder. And specifically for this nurturing these referral source relationships, this is huge. Thank you so much, Annie. And it's been so great talking to you today. I look forward to our next visit. Bye. Awesome. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Did you know that for just $15 a month, you can join our live Deeper Dives and also get all of our recordings back through January of 2020. Sign up today and be part of the conversation. The magic happens when you show up.